The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 21st of April in London. Coming up today, Biden versus Beijing. U.S. president gets set to unveil China investment curbs for American businesses. A Fed chorus sounds a higher note. Policymakers signal the need for at least one more hike. Subsidy roulette. The Irish finance minister tells Bloomberg Radio that America's Inflation Reduction Act is rubbing European businesses up the wrong way. Zuckerberg says Meta will slow hiring. Loyal savers are being hit the hardest. And BMW Mini faces accusations of discrimination over a Shanghai ice cream giveaway. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. And I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, an explosive success. Musk's SpaceX blows up its Starship rocket after a post-launch engine mishap. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Lizzie Burden. Here are the stories we're following today. President Biden wants to limit American business investment into key parts of China's economy. Bloomberg has learned that he'll sign an executive order in the coming weeks focusing on chips, AI and quantum computing. The revelation comes after the US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the administration is prepared to accept the economic costs of securing US interests from threats posed by Beijing. National security is of paramount importance in our relationship with China. Even though these policies may have economic impacts, they are driven by straightforward national security considerations. And we will not compromise on these concerns, even when they force trade-offs with our economic interests. Janet Yellen there speaking at Johns Hopkins University's School of Advanced International Studies in Washington. The US has been briefing its G7 partners on the plan and hopes to get an endorsement at next month's meeting. Federal Reserve officials are backing another rate increase as they monitor the economic fallout from recent bank collapses. One of the central bank's more hawkish voices, Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, says she favours hiking again. I anticipate that monetary policy will need to move somewhat further into restricted territory this year. With Fed funds rate moving above 5% and the real Fed funds rate staying in positive territory for some time. Now, precisely how much higher the Fed funds rate will need to go from here and for how long policy will need to remain restrictive will depend on economic and financial developments. Mester's fellow policymakers have also been weighing in. Bank of Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic says he supports the case for pausing after one more hike, while Bank of Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker says rates are pretty close to where they need to be. 
And America's massive green subsidies may be pulling investment away from Europe. That's the view of the island finance minister, Michael McGraw, who's been speaking to us here on Bloomberg Radio. The early indications are the Inflation Reduction Act is having an impact, but we need to see what is the evidence. Uh, is it displacing investment that otherwise would have come to Europe? Uh, and I think we need to examine uh, the data that is available. Michael McGrath also said it's difficult for the EU to compete with what the US is doing and that the bloc has to work to do if, more work to do if it wants to level the playing field. We'll have more of our interview with Michael McGrath a little later on. Here in the UK, household confidence is at its highest level since the war in Ukraine sent living costs soaring. Bloomberg's Samuel Etienne reports. And GFK's Consumer Confidence Index rose six points to minus 30 in April, a 14-month high and the third consecutive improvement. It shows consumers are making big purchases as they become upbeat about the economy's prospects over the next year. Figures were stronger than economists' expectations, adding to evidence that households are holding up against double-digit inflation. Now, retail sales and GDP data have also beaten expectations in recent months, and the UK could escape the recession that was once predicted by most forecasters. Elsewhere, the Bank of England policymaker Silvana Tenreiro compared her hawkish colleagues to a fool in the shower who gets scolded by being too impatient to wait for the water to warm up saying interest rates are already too high for the economy to bear. In London, I'm Samuel Etienne, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. And finally, SpaceX's attempt to send its Starship rocket into space ended in a blast after an engine failure forced it to blow up the launcher shortly after liftoff. As it blew up, the company's engineers could be heard groaning and then cheering. The launch was crucial for Starship and meant to show that the vehicle could reach space and complete a partial orbit of Earth. Shortly after the explosion, CEO Elon Musk tweeted that the next test launch would take place in a few months. Well, there are top stories this morning. I have to say, the uh, story of SpaceX's attempt to send Starship into space yesterday really might be a bit of a metaphor for so many things. We told you yesterday morning how Tesla shares had sunk in Wednesday's trading after Elon Musk said that he was going to sacrifice yet more margin to cut EV prices. Well, in yesterday's session, that news continued to go down like a ton of bricks. The shares closed down for Tesla 9.75%. Meanwhile, if you haven't paid the $8 a month price tag, you'll be waking up to discover you've lost your blue tick on Twitter. Whoa. Now, aside from journalists' egos, the first casualty of all of this has been Musk's personal wealth. According to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, it fell by the most this year, $12.6 billion, even though the valuation of SpaceX has rocketed, because at least, as we heard there, the Starship got off the ground. As I mentioned earlier, Bloomberg has learned that US President Joe Biden aims to sign an executive order in the coming weeks that's going to limit U.S. businesses' investment in the China economy. To discuss that, we're joined now by Bloomberg's chief North Asia correspondent, Stephen Engel. Great to have you with us, Stephen. Sure, absolutely. It's an interesting story, obviously. Yeah, I mean, how much does this mark a new era in the U.S.-China relationship? With Donald Trump, it was all about tariffs. It seems that capital flows are in focus now. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It is sort of a new phase that adds on top of the export controls that the Biden administration has already imposed on the sale of advanced semiconductors and chip equipment uh, to China. Uh, and essentially what this will this executive order that is expected to be signed by Mr. Biden in the next couple of weeks before he heads off to Japan and the G7 Leaders Summit that starts May 19th in Hiroshima, uh, essentially the it, it will cover fields of semiconductors, artificial intelligence, quantum computing. Uh, you know, these are strategic industries where the United States has IP. And it's going to infect, you basically focus on investments where U.S. firms play active roles in management. Some of these investments would potentially be banned outright. Other investments would have to get U.S. government approval. Uh, and it's supposedly targeting potential new investments, not existing ones. So it'll be interesting to see the details uh, after that is indeed signed. And he goes to Japan where he, behind the scenes, is is trying to garner some endorsements of its allies in, in the G7 for these moves. Yeah, we heard from U.S. Treasury uh, Secretary Janet Yellen earlier in the program. The U.S., of course, trying to frame this as being about national security to hold right. back the Chinese military rather than holding back its economic rival. I wonder, is that going to wash on anyone? Well, is it going to wash with Beijing? I mean, they look at everything that the United States with a heavy dose of skepticism. Uh, they do see it as, you know, Xi Jinping himself has described U.S. efforts as containment, encirclement, suppression of China. Pick your adjective. They basically say the United States or the verb, the, the, the United States is doing all three, according to China. And this is just going to make uh, matters worse. Uh, I mean, really, Janet Yellen's overall message is national security is, is going to take precedence if it's a critical, critical component of competitiveness. Uh, we're going to have to take, I'm paraphrasing her, essentially there's going to be an economic cost if there is a national security issue that needs to be prioritized. And it is essentially intended, this this executive order, to, to choke off critical funding and know-how that could eventually end up in Chinese military hands. And meanwhile, the U.S. wants to cut its dependence on chi Taiwanese microchips in case China invades Taiwan. Surely there's more diplomatic cost to that than economic benefit. I mean, well, the U.S. doesn't seem to be committing enough money into trying to lure the Taiwanese chip business stateside. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the United States absolutely needs that semiconductor supply chain from Taiwan. Uh, it is luring uh, the likes of TSMC, by far the world's biggest chip foundry, uh, to, you know, Arizona. There's, it's building $40 billion worth of plants in Arizona, but it's not nearly enough. I mean, TSMC and, and Taiwan basically control or make 90% of the world's advanced semiconductors, right? So the, the concern is that we're hearing through back channels and the like, officials telling us, and this is a great Bloomberg scoop. If you have a chance to read it, do read it. Uh, basically, officials in Taiwan are, are particularly concerned by comments coming out of the United States, this rhetoric uh, that war is potentially imminent and the like. It's scaring away potential investors to Taiwan because TSMC is not moving its entire operation to the United States. Far from it. it you know, most of its R&D and its advanced chips are still going to be made in Taiwan. But when Gina Raimondo, the U.S. Commerce Secretary uh, last year, who said U.S. dependence on Taiwan-made chips is untenable and unsafe, well, you know, it, this, this message gets repeated and repeated and repeated, and investors start 
you know, questioning whether we need to continue to invest. And Warren Buffett is a great example. Berkshire Hathaway in fourth quarter cut its TSMC holdings by 86 percent. And, and Warren Buffett says, look, the management's fine. Uh, the semiconductor business is a great business. We're just concerned, and I'm paraphrasing again, concerned by these geopolitical risks. All right. Bloomberg's chief North Asia correspondent, Stephen Engel, thank you very much for taking us through all of that. Now, Ireland's finance minister says smaller EU member states should not be disadvantaged by Europe's response to the US Inflation Reduction Act. Michael McGrath has been speaking to Bloomberg Radio's Stephen Carroll at the New Economy Gateway Europe event in Ireland. They started by discussing new projects from the Irish government, which show a budget surplus of more than 20 billion euros over the next two years. No, we're not preparing for a looming crisis, but we recognise that we are in something of a sweet spot in terms of the public finances at this point in time. Uh, It is driven by particularly buoyant corporation tax receipts in Ireland, which may not prove sustainable into the long term. And my own department estimate that potentially half of the amount of receipts that we will collect this year under that tax heading uh, could be windfall in nature. So what I cannot do is make permanent expenditure commitments on the back of those receipts because those receipts may not repeat into the future. And then alongside that, we have, along with most other countries, uh, an ageing population. Our demographics are changing. We know, for example, that by the end of this decade, it will cost between 7 and €8 billion euro more uh, per annum to provide public services uh, because of uh, the ageing nature of our population. And so that means we have to have resources available. So I will be setting up a, a longer-term uh, National Reserve Fund or a National Resilience Fund. Uh, the title isn't the most important thing, mm-hmm. um, but the idea is to put money away for costs that we know are coming our way. What risks is Ireland facing from the Inflation Reduction Act and the subsidies being offered by the United States? So this is an issue of uh, debate in Europe at this point in time. So I sit around the uh, ECOFIN table with my uh, finance minister colleagues from around Europe and there is a sense that Europe needs to respond but it needs to respond in a way that also respects the fact that the single market in Europe operates uh, on the principle of a level playing field across member states. And so if the response is to be a change to state aid rules, for example, uh, the use of subsidies, then you know, there isn't uh, equal capacity across different member states uh, to uh, deploy resources uh, in an effort to compete with what the United States are doing. So, so is there a risk that large EU member states will be able to disproportionately spend and put countries like Ireland at a disadvantage? And There is that concern among smaller member states, including Ireland, uh, to be frank. Um, but I do think we have to examine the evidence and the data. And there are certainly some early signs that the Inflation Reduction Act uh, is proving to be effective, uh, that we are seeing investments uh, of significant scale now being made uh, by US companies and perhaps also by European companies. So uh, the, the data is emerging. I think we need to examine it. We need to see what is an appropriate response. But like Europe also has a lot of firepower. We have Next Generation EU, which is an overall package of about 800 uh, million, billion euro, uh, which is essentially about the green transition, about digitalization. Um, but of course, that is administered and implemented through 27 different uh, national plans, whereas there seems to be 
uh, an attraction in, 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 the, in the simplicity of what the United States are doing, that yeah. essentially the support to the tax system is cash back and it's difficult for Europe to compete with that. So I think we have work to do to calibrate an appropriate response. Would you be in favour of there being a balance, a counterbalancing mechanism to ensure that EU member states aren't putting at each other at a disadvantage? Well, that for me is the essential safeguard that has to be put in place. If Ireland is to support uh, a significant EU response, we do need to ensure that uh, it doesn't come at the expense of smaller member states, including Ireland, um, because we know that you know, the, the vast majority of uh, state aid is used by the larger member states, and as I say, the smaller states simply may not have the capacity uh, to compete. So we have to protect the level playing field. That is the fundamental pillar of how the single market operates uh, and has proven to be very, very effective. But I do acknowledge that the early indications are the Inflation Reduction Act is having an impact. But we need to see what is the evidence. Uh, is it displacing investment that otherwise would have come to Europe? Uh, and I think we need to examine uh, the data that is available. A bigger picture question to wrap up. It's a very uncertain economic environment right now. Inflation is still very high. We're looking at the lagging effects of higher interest rates in Europe. What's the biggest challenge facing the Irish economy now? Well, the biggest domestic challenge is housing and providing accommodation for uh, a growing population, which is now 5.1 million people. We have uh, taken in about 80,000 people from Ukraine who fled the war. Um, we have net inward economic migration as well. People see an Irish economy that is successful, a uh, country with a good quality of life. and consequence uh, of Brexit, They want to be part of that story. Here. I think that's, that's part of it, uh, for sure. So we need to increase supply. We do have a mismatch between supply and demand at the moment. Uh, look, it is first and foremost a social issue. We need to provide homes for our people. Uh, but secondly, it is an economic issue. And of course, it can be a constraint to further growth and development uh, if investors uh, are seeing that accommodation is in short supply. So that's a top priority domestically. And on a broader front, it is certainly managing uh, the downward path of inflation and making sure that we support households who are vulnerable and support businesses and we're doing that through very targeted energy support schemes uh, and other interventions. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get to our uh, newspapers. Uh, we've got a, a roundup of the front pages with Leanne Gerrans, as she promises. Zuckerberg says Meta will slow hiring. Loyal savers are being hit the hardest. And BMW Mini faces accusations of discrimination over a Shanghai ice cream giveaway. 
Now, the paper review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Now on the front pages today, the Wall Street Journal has Mark Zuckerberg saying Meta will slow hiring, it won't rule out future layoffs. Leanne Gerrans, what do you make of this? So, Lizzie, this all happened during an address to employees in a virtual Q&A session yesterday, and that came after the latest rounds of layoffs. Um, And Mark Zuckerberg really relayed this news to his employees. The CEO said he didn't rule out any future job cuts at Meta, and the company was really to slow hiring. This is all according to the Wall Street Journal. Since November, Facebook's parent company has said it would lay off 21,000 employees. Now, the cuts are expected to be completed by next month. And cuts have been made to the information problems engineering team, Lizzie, which really helps enable fact-checking and address misinformation claims and also tech divisions. These job losses have really raised some eyebrows and caused some concern from staff members. And scores of employees during that Q&A yesterday actually took issue with high performance reviews and bonuses handed out to the tight circle of executives which do surround Mark Zuckerberg. So this is something that employees are not happy about. All the job cuts happening but huge bonuses going to top executives. And the Financial Times is reporting that Meta plans to cut more than 10% of its UK workforce. That's citing an internal document sent to Um, company staff on Wednesday and according to BN Meta Platforms is planning to cut or relocate its London based Instagram employees so lots coming out about the latest round of job cuts at Meta and some of those concerns being raised by staff. Yeah tech a a risky place to be uh, when you've got recession risks on the horizon and Leanne the Times has the headline loyal savers hit even harder as rates keep rising. Yes, indeed. So these are the words of Nicol Rathi, the chief executive of the Financial Conduct Authority, Lizzie. Now, he's written a letter to Harriet Baldwin, Baldwin, the chairwoman of the Commons Treasury Select Committee. And he said harm to long-term savers on less competitive rates is likely to have grown as interest rates in the UK increase. Now, Rathi also argues it has been standard practice for financial firms to offer more attractive rates to new savers while existing savers so they very loyal customers earn less competitive rates so they are losing out but it's not fair is it no it's definitely not fair so i was reading this and thinking to myself how are they going to make this fair and i'll tell you how he says changes on the horizon for savers and the ceo of the fca is hoping financial firms do start to embrace new guidelines which have been outlined so from july when setting rates, firms must comply with the consumer duty, including acting in good faith towards and providing fair value to all groups of savers. So he's really raising this concern about loyal customers when it comes to saving accounts and not just offering attractive rates to lure new people in. Well, they should do that for all businesses, I think, not just uh, new customers being rewarded, loyal ones as well. And finally, The Telegraph says that BMW Mini is accused of discrimination in Shanghai ice cream giveaway. What's that about? So the incident actually occurred at the largest motor show in China. 
And a video has been circulating on the Chinese social media website Weibo and has been watched, Lizzie, by millions of people, so millions of views. And this has really sparked the outrage. Now, the video shows workers on a stand promoting Mini, telling local visitors that it had run out of the frozen dessert before offering a Western visitor an ice cream just moments later. Now, Mini, owned by BMW, has apologised for the incident that happened and, like I said, has become widespread on Chinese media. Chinese consumers are increasingly conscious of how foreign companies behave in the nation. And this is because it's become this massive consumer of Western goods. We've seen that in earnings results from LVMH and lots mm. of other big companies. And I don't know if you cast your mind back to 2018. I remember this well. The, fresh, the fashion brand Dolce & Gabbana also had to make a public apology when it released an advert featuring a Chinese woman trying to eat pizza with chopsticks. Now, what this basically says is exactly what the newspaper, The Telegraph, is telling us, is Chinese consumers want to make sure that foreign companies behave correctly when they are in the nation and advertising. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Amazon, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Lizzie Burden. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.